One of college football's most notorious experts released his 2022 All-Big 12 Conference selections heading into the football season. And to be quite honest, I think it's complete rubbish. I'll break down Phil Steele's all preseason All-Big 12 teams in addition to some crucial Big some crucial Texas Tech basketball scheduling news on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello everybody and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech. It is a nice Thursday evening here that I'm recording this. I'm Emery Lida, your host, and today we're going to be talking about football again. It is the time of year where you're seeing preseason projections all the time, all the way around, whether it be through magazines, through the media, through the coaches, or whatever. A Big 12 media day about a month away, and with the season starting in less than three months, it is time to ramp up football coverage. And we see, we saw this week Phil Steele re- revealing his annual college football magazine. And let me tell you, Phil Steele's magazine has been something that I personally have been watching for many, many years. I've read it. I've seen what he's posted. He's generally right on top of things, as in-depth as you'll find on the football side of things when it comes to depth charts and sort of scouting out teams. But I have to say, looking at some of the selections he made for Texas Tech this year, I think there's a lot of disparities between what I would have put in terms of Texas Tech players making all Big 12 teams and, in general, what I think the team is going to look like in the future. So that's going to be something that I'm going to cover going forward. And then also at the stay tuned for the end of the episode where I'm going to be talking about basketball schedule where we will see Texas Tech return to, return to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to play LSU for the second time in three years in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. That was announced today alongside some of the other matchups or all of the other matchups within the series. But first, let's talk about the football side of things. So Phil Steele, obviously his magazine is as popular as any of them out there when it comes to college football coverage. Preseason Big 12 teams, he does four of them, which is, I think, really cool to see the depth of his coverage. I can remember all, all the way back in 2015 where he would have where he was able to have Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, and I believe Trevon Boykin all on the teams, which is nuts considering just how stacked the Big 12 was in that year. And that allowed people to just see the depth of the conference. Even those that didn't necessarily know a ton of Big 12 football were able to get a good understanding of just how deep and pass heavy that league was. But when you look at this year's team, there are a total of 12 players from Texas Tech that ended up making one of the four teams. Nobody made the first team, which was really unfortunate. But at the same time, we've talked about this. I've talked about it on the Locked On Big 12 podcast that I do with my good friend Josh Neighbors and a few of the ro- other rotating Big 12 hosts. And I was not surprised to see none of the none of the Texas Tech players on the first team list for all Big 12. But it does surprise me that on the second team, you only have four guys and or only have five guys. And Austin McNamara was the one guy from that last episode that I thought would be a first-teamer. He ends up second-team punter. You look at the rest of the second team, and Krishan Merriweather is there. Rayshad Williams is there. Dejon Taylor-Demerson is there, and Baylor Cup is there. Baylor Cup is 
probably the most coveted player on Tech's roster, at least looking at the preseason or looking at his recruiting numbers before he came to Texas A&M. But obviously he's dealt with suspension. He's dealt with multiple injuries that have ended his seasons. And so it's hard to really project him. I'm really surprised that they had him on the list as opposed to Mason Tharp. And I think it really shows maybe a little bit of outwardly projection from Phil because by all accounts, it seems like Mason Tharp has sort of assumed that number one tight end role that we've seen Travis Coons thrive in over the years, obviously, that we've seen him play in a little bit last year where Tharp was kind of the second tight end. This year, it was like he's going to be the first tight end coming into the year. So Baylor Cup being the second team, Look, I am really high on Baylor Cup's ability. I had an episode solely talking about his recruitment earlier in the year, but I just cannot see him ending up being the number, the best offensive player on Tech's roster, which is what this essentially says, because none of the other offensive players are on the first two teams. So surprising to see you Cup there. Looking at the rest of the guys, Krishan Merriweather, I think kind of maybe a little bit of a surprise to be that high up as well. I mean, obviously Merriweather has racked up a ton of tackles over the years. I mean, you're talking about, someone that has been in the linebacker rotation for I believe two or three years now. And if you look at what he was able to do the last year, it really wasn't as spectacular season. So he started obviously 2020 was his year as a starter where he had 75 total tackles. It was his first year in the program. Last year he had 52 total. And Merriweather is a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. And I certainly think that there are reasons to have him up there as a second team player. But the merits of that selection, I feel like, are really dependent on him being a good run stopper, which I think he is, and then also upping his game in the pass coverage, which is yet to be seen. So, obviously, I'm high on Merriweather. I think that in the right system and playing under Tim DeRoyer, you could see him potentially being up as a second or even first-team linebacker. But it's going to take some work on him. And if Tech uses as much of a rotation at linebacker as what I think we might see, that might take away his own individual accolades, but we'll see on that. And then you've got Rayshad Williams, who, again, we've mentioned this multiple times on the show, but I think that Williams has been one of the standout performers in spring. I think he came on pretty strong at the end of last year. Obviously, not really a ball-hawking corner, but a lot of physicality there, a lot of length and athleticism as well. Obviously, the transfer from UCLA came into the program last year, and he looks primed to have a big season. So I like what Phil did in that case. So looking at... Rayshon Williams, I think that he's going to assume the number one corner position, obviously, with Demarcus Fields leaving to go to the NFL. That's something that he's going to have to sort of face the best receiver on any team. But I'm high on Williams. I think the length and athleticism being there really helps out. So that's a justified selection. Also, I think it's kind of a weaker year for corners in the Big 12. Last year, obviously, you saw a lot of guys graduating out or going to the draft this year. Going to have sort of a little bit of rebuild in that sense. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that unfolds but certainly good to see Williams up there then you've got Dejon Taylor Demerson who according to PFF was his tech's best returning defender from last season obviously took over the starting safety spot after Muddy Waters got hurt put on a really good show last season to end up being probably tech's best defensive back over the course of the season I mean you could obviously debate between Demarcus Fields obviously if you want to say that Muddy Waters after the, his first four games deserved a spot there but last year, Taylor Demerson ended up with three interceptions, 62 tackles. Statistically had the output to match a first or second team selection. So for him to be a safety, obviously someone that could possibly move and play some slot corner or maybe a little bit even on the outside as well. It's nice to see that. And I think Taylor Demerson, if he can get the snaps, and obviously it's a little bit interesting to see what happens between him and Muddy Waters, I think it's fully deserved to have him 
on the second team. And then lastly, Austin McNamara. I mean, do we really have to talk that much about what Austin McNamara can do? He is entering his fourth year in the program. He has obviously got a lot of talent when it comes to punting the ball. Obviously, the 86-yard punt against West Virginia a couple years ago, that sticks out. But more than that, we have seen him for years now be kind of the strength of this Texas Tech team. I mean, just looking at his numbers back all the way back until 2019, he is someone that has averaged 45 yards or more per punt every single year. He's been consistent when it comes to downing the ball. I will say last year maybe struggled a little bit when it came to touchbacks, but still, I mean, you're talking about a guy that by all metrics has been a top 10 top punter in the nation. I think it's quite frankly a little bit disrespectful to have him on the second team, but it is what it is. I think that certainly you have a lot to work off of when it comes to Austin McNamara. I mean, you know what he's going to give you. One of the top 15 or so punters in the entire nation He's been consistent for three years. There's zero reason not to expect a week as him for a fourth year. But that wraps up the second teamers. I think of all the guys on this list, Austin McNamara should have been a first teamer. You can make a good debate for Dejon Taylor Demerson being a first teamer as well, although it relies on a little bit of projection and faith that he's going to get as many snaps as he did down the stretch of last year. And Rayshon Williams, it's good to see him up there. I think obviously a weaker year in the Big 12 from a corner standpoint. You can look at Krishan Merriweather and Baylor Cup being the two main surprises on the second team. But that's that. I would expect that at least three of these guys can hopefully end up being on the first or second team at the end of the season. But obviously, a lot to project with there. But in the meantime, we're going to be taking a look at the third team and fourth team guys, including a lot more firepower on offense coming up next. But first, we've got a message from our good friends at Built Bar. So you know how our friends at Built are always coming out with new amazing new flavors? Well, this time Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puff. They're bringing in both of them. Are you not sure what mud pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. The new mud pie bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. So you have to try the new mud pie as soon as possible. And you better hurry up because the mud pie bar and the mud pie puff are they're only going to be available for a limited time and they are selling fast. So you got to visit built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Are you not convinced? Well, we save the best for last because as you might know, Built Bar is known for being good for people, and Mud Pie continues to take another step forward. When you look at what they've been able to do with this bar, Built Bars, they have low calories, high protein, and low sugar, and Mud Pie Bar is no different. It has 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories, and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the, baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate Mud Pie and wrapped it up just for you, only this time, it's extremely healthy. I cannot say the same about my mom's food, but it is what it is. Mud Pie Bars and Puffs are available at Built.com right now, but again, they're going fast, and you are going to need to buy them quick. So go to Built.com, use promo code Y15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code Y15 for 15% off at Built.com, and try out the new Mud Pie Bar. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We have an important favor to ask you from the Locked On Network. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help and for your continued support of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for listening to Locked On Texas Tech every single day. Now, getting back to the football coverage of the Phil Steele All-Big all 12 preseason teams, third team is where it gets a little bit interesting for Texas Tech because you have three guys on there. You have Taj Brooks, the running back, who obviously a lot of people are expecting a breakout season from him. He had one of the strongest starts to season Tech running back in recent memory. Back-to-back 100-yard games. Looks like he was on track to have a really nice season. And then, unfortunately, a leg fracture game or a leg fracture between the games of FIU and Texas, kind of put a halt to the season, missed on a month of action, came back for Kansas State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Mississippi State. And Brooks is a guy that if he gets everything together, you see the the talent there. You saw three 100-yard games last year. That's more than any other running back has had in recent memory for Tech. I mean, even looking at a guy like Sir Roderick Thompson, he's been along the lines of having – one or 200-yard games every single season. And then you look at what what Taj Brooks has been able to bring to the table, and he's just a guy that has so much so much of a blend between explosiveness and power that it really allows him to play well in the open field. He can be a little bit of a weapon as a pass catcher. He only had six receptions last year, but 13 in his freshman year when he was playing a more limited role in the backfield. And I will say, was that Kitley's system – Running back passes are something that you're going to see a lot. Obviously, it's a derivative of the Cliff Kingsbury's air raid system. We saw when DeAndre Washington and Justin Stockton were in town, they had a lot of pass catching, particularly Justin Stockton when he was a younger back. I, obviously, I think that there's a lot to do with sort of the personnel, and I think that you could see Cameron Valdez being the third running back, possibly getting some more of the pass catching opportunities. But that said, you also have Shadarius Townsend and Xavier White there who are going to be in the slot. We'll take a look at some of the more intricate details of the depth chart and kind of who we expect to stick out from a pass-catching standpoint. But basically, moral of the story here is Taj Brooks is a really talented running back. And we saw that, we've seen that with what Phil Phil Steele has put with him being on the third team. Obviously, you have Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson being the first team backs on this list, and that is to be expected. Both of those guys have showcased their talent at an elite level from a call at the college level. I mean, Bijan Robinson might be the most talented running back in all of college, in all of college football. And then alongside that, you also have Deuce Fawn, who's probably the most versatile running back in the Big 12. A whole lot of talent there for Kansas State. And so seeing the options for Brooks, Brooks can put together a really good season and still be stuck on the third team or the second team. But in terms of what it looks like for Texas Tech, you have to say that if Taj Brooks gets a good dosage of running, I think he's going to have a really good season. I mean, we've seen the Zach Kittley system maybe a little bit over-dependent on passing when it comes to running back numbers, but I don't think that's going to matter too much. I think that Joey McGuire is going to preach balance. I think 
having a running back with the talent that Taj Brooks has is really going to play into his favor. So I could, I would be surprised Brooks didn't end up on one of these postseason teams by the end of the year. Moving on, you've got Miles Price as the second guy, and again, an offensive skill position player. Did not really see any of those outside of Baylor Cup on the first two teams, which like I mentioned in that, I kind of disagree with Cup being there. So to see what we end up seeing with with Miles Price and just seeing the respect given to his end of the year last year, I think it really speaks to just how optimistic they are, people are about Price being able to put up major numbers in his Achilles system. I mean, looking what it, at what he was able to do down the stretch of last season, I mean, Ezukama was kind of limited with injuries, obviously, kind of saw Price take over a little bit in the slot over the course of the season, ended up having a 75% receiving percentage, had 517 yards over the course of the season. That is really impressive to see. Also was utilized a little bit on jet sweeps, sweeps in the backfield. So, again, a really versatile piece that you're going to see. I mean, for someone that kind of take a, took a little bit of a back step when it came to the start of the season, looking at his first few games, only had 33 yards in non-conference. And outside of the Texas game, failed to crack 60 yards until all the way in the middle of October against Kansas State. So he's a guy that kind of came on strong late in the season, but it took a while for him. Had a really nice connection with Donovan Smith. As two of the games that he played in down the stretch obviously missed the Baylor game, but the game against Mississippi State and the game against Iowa State were two of his best games in his career. So Price is someone that's flashed a lot of talent down the stretch. I think he's going to be a weapon this season out of the slot, and it's good to see him. He's the one guy on the list for I think if he can put things together, could end up being a top two team guy. I think out of all the guys that are in the first three teams, and I'm saying the first three teams because there's a reason for that. I'll get into in just a minute. But out of all the guys on the first three teams, I think he has the best chance of being a first team player. And then lastly, you got to look at Jalen Hutchins. He is the last third team guy on this list, the defensive tackle. He's played at the nose position for the last couple of years for tech. And he's been very reliable. I wouldn't say that he's someone that has been necessarily an elite level player, but he's been solid in the run game. Totaled four sacks last year, which for an interior guy is pretty impressive. Obviously, the tackle numbers aren't going to look great because he's playing on the interior line, but still low missed tackle percentage. He's been good, solid in the run gaps. And Hutchins is kind of a guy that we can, we've grown to expect good production from. I don't know if he's going to be anywhere near the lead for sacks. Obviously, you've got Tyree Wilson for that, which again, just wait a minute. But with looking at Hutchins, I think that you could see a solid season for him. Maybe not popping out with the numbers, but he's just a solid nose tackle. He's good against the run, good at filling gaps, doesn't miss assignments. And that's all you can really ask for. I mean, he's someone that maybe lacks a little bit of the burst that you would see from elite little pass rushers from the interior positions. But still, good to see Hutchins. It's good to see him finally getting some recognition. And that brings us to our fourth team. I'm going to quickly go over Cole Spencer and Cale Rogers. Both of them on the offensive line, I think, are going to have a good season. Obviously, Caleb Rogers is someone that has played quite a bit of snaps dating back to the 2020, back to the 2020 season where he split time with Ethan Card. And it's nice to see him getting some respect at the tackle position. Obviously, maybe not a guy that you expect to have a ton of dominance there, but still someone that has had experience, got better last season. And that brings us to Cole Spencer, who statistically was one of the best pass blockers in the nation last year. 
when it came to the PFF grade, a 90.7 pass blocking grade. Book over the course of the season, obviously he played at tackle, which I believe might be changing this year, but only allowed two stacks on the entire season, which for being a tackle is nuts. And he played almost a thousand snaps, very versatile, very athletic for a tackle, and also has a lot of discipline there as well and reliability, durability, not getting hurt. So for Spencer to be fourth team, I find that to be a bit disrespectful. With Caleb Rogers, I at least understand because we've obviously seen he's been more of a solid guy as opposed to an elite level left tackle or right tackle over the course of his career. But with Spencer, I just find it a little bit bizarre to see him so low considering how dominant he was in Western Kentucky. And obviously, Western Kentucky had a lot of talented offensive players and Bailey Zappi got rid of the ball fast. But still, I mean, compared to his peers, he was still the best offensive lineman on that team. So for him to be a fourth team guy in the Big 12, yes, it's a step up in competition, but Spencer was a really good offensive lineman, had solid solid production across the board. The measurables are there as well. It just doesn't make any sense to me why he would be fourth team and not at least second or third. I understand not having him on the first team, obviously, with the step up in competition and him not outright being like the best offensive lineman in the conference, but it's just, it's bizarre to me. And speaking of bizarre, Tyree Wilson being on the fourth team as opposed to the first, second, or third team, I find to be quite frankly ridiculous. And yes, the Big 12 has a fair bit of edge rushers in the conference, but when you look at what Tyree Wilson was able to do down the stretch of last season, I mean, the bowl game against Mississippi State, he was sensational in that game. Obviously, there are some reasons maybe to be a little bit lower on him when it comes to the run game. Certainly, his tackling leaves a bit to be desired, almost 16% missed tackle percentage. But come on, this is a dude that put 26 pressures on the quarterback last season. Nobody else on Tech's team had more than 17. He had six sacks, obviously had the three in the bowl game, and he was elite just watching the film he's someone that demanded a lot of attention offensive linemen his pass rushing athleticism is ridiculous i mean he can run around the edge and get to the quarterback quicker than just about anyone out there in the conference so for tyree wilson to be on the fourth team just doesn't make any sense to me i would have had him at least on the second team again i can understand being a little bit skeptical he came on strong late in the season but he's someone that still has a little bit of inexperience attack still hasn't played a ton of snaps but come on, two sacks in the bowl game. He had six overall for the season. He had 26 pressures, the defensive MVP of that bowl game in the Liberty Bowl. And it's just it's bizarre to me to see him so low, especially below other guys on Tech's roster, which have done arguably less over the course of their career, like a Baylor Cup and still ending up second team all Big 12 at the tight end position. And I get the tight end is kind of a weaker spot for the Big 12 this season with guys like Char- Charlie Kohler graduating out from Iowa State. But still, it's just it doesn't make a ton of sense for me to see where Tyree Wilson is on the edge or where Baylor Cup is as a second team and where Tyree Wilson is on the edge being comparatively a fourth a fourth team guy. So, again, out of all the guys on all of those lists, now coming back to what I was talking about with Miles Price, Tyler, Tyree Wilson has the best chance of being first team all Big 12, could possibly challenge for all-American position, going to see a lot of success with him as a pass rusher. Would not be surprised if he plays himself up into the top two or three rounds of the NFL draft. But that's Tyree Wilson. That's the Big 12, the all Big 12 teams for Phil Steele. 12 of them total for Texas Tech. It's good to see that many guys represented, even if none of them are on the first team. But still, 
I still, I just, I can't see why Ty, guys like Tyree Wilson and Miles Price, or Tyree Wilson and Cole Spencer in the fourth team, and to a lesser degree Austin McNamara and Miles Price, why those guys were underrated comparatively. I just think all four of those guys have a good shot of being first two team as in the Big Twelve. So that's that. Twelve total players, none of them on the first team. Still a fair bit of talent for Texas Tech. And that's our football coverage. We'll be back tomorrow in terms of talking about Murray State. But first, I got to talk about the basketball schedule because adding LSU in the Big 12 SEC Challenge is going to be for is going to be important to to load up the schedule. Obviously, LSU is completely different this year. We're going to take a little bit of a deeper look at that in the Big 12 SEC Challenge in general. But first, we have a message from some of our sponsors. Welcome back to Locked On Texas Tech and talking more about LSU Texas Tech and the Big 12 SEC Challenge. This is a matchup we saw two years ago, famously, when Tech had a furious comeback to come back from down. I believe it was nine in the last two minutes and obviously down five in the last minute into the game on a 9-0 run to win that game. Obviously, Mac McClung came up huge in that one. TJ Shannon did as well. Both of those guys crossed 20 points. It was a game... A go-ahead bucket from Kyler Edwards to take the lead of that game after Tech had struggled for a while. But let me tell you something. That game against LSU two years ago, or a year and a half ago for me, but two seasons ago, that game against LSU, more or less irrelevant when you come to predicting this game because LSU quite simply does not have much of anybody left over from that roster. I mean, you look at... Monty Wilkerson is a guy that is going to be on the roster next year that played in the first matchup against these two teams. And I mentioned all the way back on the No Middle Madness podcast a year and a half ago how efficient Wilkerson was, but he's just simply not a huge offensive threat. But virtually everyone else on that team, including Adam Miller, who did transfer last year, he's another of the holdouts from the Will Wade era. Every single one of those guys is completely different now. You've got K.J. Williams, obviously, coming from Murray State. Murray State, hi, Coach Murray State Coach Matt McMahon is the guy that was charged with taking over the LSU program after Will Wade obviously had his run-in with the NCAA law, ended up getting fired for cause. That whole implosion is something that we could talk about for days or weeks on a different podcast, but this is Locked On Texas Tech. We're here to talk about the relevance to Texas Tech. And for LSU, it's the guys that come from Murray State. You have guys like Justice Hill. You have K.J. Williams, like I just mentioned. Both of those guys are kind of the two that really step out. But then you also have Trey Hannibal, another guy from Murray State. He actually played in South Carolina to start his career, so he's got the SEC experience. And it's worth noting, these guys are going to be really wrong, maybe have a little bit of development to take place start of the season next year but by the time they get to the texas tech game i would be shocked if they're not fully well together mcmahon's a good coach dating back to his days as an assistant under steve prom at murray state got guys like cam hayes as well coming in from nc state and adam miller from from illinois miller was a guy that tech was looking after in last year's offseason came to LSU got injured in the preseason, never played a game for them. So his first game is going to be the first one we're going to get to see for him as a member of the LSU Tigers. And it's going to be interesting to watch because certainly this team on paper has more talent than your average team would be projected to be outside the top 60 nationally. And for a team that lost basically all of their scholarship players in the offseason, but 
it's going to be hard for them to maybe get the team together early on in the season, but certainly by the time they face Tech, it's going to be a new roster. It's going to be one that's hopefully well put together for their sake. So that's taking a look at the LSU side of things. I certainly think this is going to be a close matchup, but it's one the Tech should have an advantage in. I mean, LSU is probably one of the weaker teams in the SEC coming in the next year. I mean, obviously, you have Alabama, you have Kentucky, you have Auburn. Those seem like probably your three best teams in addition to Arkansas, who I'm somehow forgot there. Arkansas is going to be another team that's probably going to be number one or number two in the nation. They're going to be the best team. They're facing Baylor. So I understand that because Baylor was a top 10 team. They're returning a decent number of players. They're going to be one to reckon with. Kansas at Kentucky. Kansas obviously returning three starters from their national championship team. Bringing in our favorite Texas Tech Red Raider, Kevin McCullough. I'm sure everyone loves to see him. And that's going to be a great welcome for him at the USA. But Kansas is going back to Rupp Arena in at Kentucky to face off in Lexington. Another matchup we seemingly see every single year in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Obviously, we saw it last year where Kentucky decimated LA, or decimated Kansas, and we've seen it before. So it's kind of sad to see that lack of variance as well. Texas at Tennessee, the Rick Barnes Bowl, again, last year, one of the most painful games to watch in all of college basketball where Tennessee basically didn't score for, I believe it was like nine minutes. Or no, it was Texas that didn't score game that ended up in the 50s, so unfortunate to see there. Hopefully that game's a little bit more exciting this year. TCU at Mississippi State is another one to watch out for. Two teams that I believe are kind of on the uptick this year. You got Alabama at OU. Obviously Alabama noteworthy because you have Namari Burnett coming in after an injury last year. That's going to be interesting. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what can go on there. Obviously we've seen – Quite a bit of talent with Oklahoma over the last couple of seasons. It's another matchup that has been prominently displayed in the Big College CCC Challenge. I believe that is three times in the last five years. I know they played 2018. They played when both Trey Young and Colin Sexton were at their respective schools. I know they played last season, but we'll have to see what Porter Moser can bring to the table there. That'll be interesting to watch. That's probably one of the more underrated matchups in that series. Obviously, you got Grant Sherfield coming to Oklahoma. And then you got Auburn at West Virginia, the best team in the SEC for last year against the worst team in the Big 12 last year. Makes total sense, but I guess they know more than we do. Ole Miss at Oklahoma State, kind of two mediocre programs. But again, another matchup that has been run before in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Florida at Kansas State, believe that is a new one. But again, you're kind of looking at two programs that are rebuilding. Obviously, Mike White leaving Florida. You've got a guy in Colin Castle who's going to be a really good good player for Florida, one of the top players in the nation. But, I mean, in general, that matchup might be kind of underwhelming when it looks to the overall talent on the roster. I mean, you're looking at what they've done. They brought in Todd Golden from San Francisco. Obviously, he had a really good stretch as a, as a coach of the Dons, but still reason to be skeptical of Florida. So I think that matchup is going to be – maybe in favor of Florida, but certainly one of the least intriguing matchups in this challenge. And you got Iowa State and Missouri, another matchup that's played off numerous times in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, including last year. Iowa State, hopefully for them, they have a big advantage. Missouri's been struggling lately, so this should be an advantage for Iowa State as we go into the season. And so you look at the Big 12 SEC Challenge, I think overall it looks pretty even. I mean, I would say of these matchups, Arkansas will probably be favored over Baylor. Kentucky has home court advantage, which maybe gives them an edge over Kansas. 
I would say Texas maybe has a slight advantage over Tennessee. TCU over Mississippi State. Alabama should be a little bit of a favorite against Oklahoma. Auburn, even on the road, would probably be favored over West Virginia. Oklahoma State over Ole Miss. Florida over Kansas State. And then Iowa State and Texas Tech. Both of them should be favored in those respective away matchups. So you tell everything together, and it's going to be another 4-6 to six or 6-4 six type of season in one way or the other, depending on who can win some of the swing games, the closer games. So it'll be interesting to watch. I wish the Big 12 would look for more, or the Big 12 and the SEC would look for more unique matchups. Start playing teams like Texas Tech against a team like Alabama. I think that could have been a good matchup for Texas Tech-Auburn. Obviously, a throwback to the very first Big 12 SEC challenge all the way back in December of 2013. Could have done that. You could have played another team, a new unique team against Kentucky, like a Baylor. Again, there's room to room around, to move around with this. Kansas and Kentucky are both really good teams, but both of them have been playing each other quite a bit. They play each other almost every almost every three years in the Champions Classic in Chicago, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to play seemingly every single year in the Big 12 SEC Challenge outside of the ones that where they play in that Classic. So that is what it is. It's all down to media numbers, but we'll hopefully get some good matchups out of this. I do think there are some intriguing ones on paper. That's what I'm about basketball. Tomorrow, I'll be back talking about football again. We're going to preview Murray State. What little bit of information we do have on the racers and their football program coming out of the Ohio Valley Conference. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what Tech can do in that game, what we can learn from that game, what a little bit of what to expect in preseason, preseason heading up to that game. And then I'll give my way too early score prediction and a couple of things to look out for. But in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Eraser41. You can find the official Locked On Texas Tech podcast at Locked On TTU on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. I will be getting this podcast in addition to the two from earlier this week up on the channel. I'm sorry for the delay there. Had a little bit of technical difficulties on that one, but we'll get them up shortly. And then you can leave a review for us wherever you get your podcast and continue listening and downloading. We really appreciate all the support. It's been great to see some of the numbers this week and just con- seeing the continued sport diving in even after a change. I'm looking forward to continuing to cover football offseason, basketball offseason, a little bit of baseball offseason as well, and just getting ready for the next athletic season for Texas Tech. So thank you for all your support, and I really appreciate it. But in the meantime, thank you for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. For your second listen, you can check out the first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. Who, which have just been made today. So it's now for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey Sports Experts, the Draft Experts that locked on NBA board. All of them have their takes going on. You can check out the five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, which is underway. So make Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen today. Thank you, and I will see you tomorrow.